Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF Public Media's show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sessingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7 or streaming on WUSFnews.org. This week on Florida Matters, it's our monthly news roundtable, and we're talking to reporters about Florida's primary election and what we can expect as we head toward the November races. Support for Florida Matters More comes from the National Foundation for Transplants. Right now, hundreds of Tampa residents need an organ transplant they cannot afford. Join National Foundation for Transplants, an organization providing financial relief to transplant patients for more than 35 years. Visit transplants.org to learn more. I'm here with William Marsh, longtime political analyst and reporter, and Zach Anderson, who's the political editor of the Sarasota Herald Tribune. Thanks, guys. Hi. Nice to be here, Robin. Howdy. (laughs) Howdy. So, um... William, you were talking about, on Florida Matters, you were talking about the fact that this is a noteworthy election. For one big reason, there are two African-American candidates on the ballot. Well, that's right, Robin. And we saw in the primary that, that it's pretty obvious that, that Andrew Gillum's presence on the ballot caused an unusual surge of black voters. He, black voters were clearly a key component of his unexpected win. Now, Andrew, yeah, let's just clear it. Andrew Gillum won the Democratic nomination for governor in a big surprise upset. A big surprise upset that was heavily boosted by by, uh, an unexpected number of black voters. What hasn't been discussed quite so much is that there's a second statewide candidate for an extremely important office, Attorney General, who's black, who's on the ballot, Sean Mm -hmm. Shaw, won his primary. Now, I suspect, frankly, that Shaw's presence on the ballot helped Gillum and Gillum's presence on the ballot helped Shaw. And I suspect that when the general election rolls around, black voters are going to notice that we have not only the first major party black nominee for governor in Florida, but also the first major party black nominee for attorney general in Florida, and I think you'll see an effect on black voter turnout from that, from from two black candidates going out and campaigning statewide. And that's supposed to help Senator Bill Nelson keep his seat. It probably will help Nelson. It probably will um, give. It probably will provide a boost to. Uh, to him in getting in getting black votes that he might not be as easily able to get on his own uh, mm-hmm. as as uh, a white male guy from North Florida. Democrats are really hoping that Gillum can cobble together more of the Obama coalition. You know, President Barack Obama won Florida twice, and then Trump won Florida. And and one of the reasons that Trump won Florida is because you saw a drop off in turnout among African-American voters and other voters who are key to the Democratic coalition. So one of Gillum's big arguments in the closing stretch was that he is the one who can reach out to these voters. He's the one that's going to be able to turn out uh, Democrats and uh, who don't normally turn out in midterm elections. And it's going to be fascinating to watch because over the years, Democrats have tend to have tended to go with these more centrist candidates. And the idea was that they wanted to appeal to the center, to to independents, appeal across party lines, and that that was the way 
to build a winning coalition. And I think Gillum would tell you that he's still going to try and do that. But the reality is, is that he appeals much more to base voters. And this is the first time that Democrats have ever had somebody this liberal, this progressive on the ballot. And they've been talking about it for years. Progressives have complained is that the reason that we lost is that you didn't nominate somebody who excites us and and who actually gives us a reason to come out and vote. Well, we're going to have a, a an example. We're going to have it's going to be a fascinating political science experiment, if nothing else, to see if a, a true blue progressive could actually win in a state like Florida. What happened to the model of the suburban soccer mom who was supposed to be kind of centrist to a, a center um, candidate? from either party could appeal to, you would think Gwen Graham would be very appealing to that sort of a voter, whereas um, Andrew Gillum may not be. Is that still considered um, in play, that sort of a, of a voter? Yeah, I, I think so. I think the conventional political wisdom, I think this is a gamble for Democrats. You know, the conventional political wisdom is that you try to appeal to those people, people, uh, those, so, like you said, the suburban soccer mom who might not be happy with uh, the way that Trump has comported himself and and uh, who might, um, you know, have some regrets about the 2016 election and, and to try and win those people over to your side. And a lot of people thought that Gwen Graham could appeal across party lines. I talked to numerous Republicans who thought that she would be a stronger candidate and, and who actually uh, expressed admiration uh, for Gwen Graham, but she didn't excite the base like Gillum has. And and for the first time, uh, Florida Democrats decided to go with one of these more exciting uh, base-type candidates. William. Well, a political candidate can take one of two approaches to the electorate. One is you occupy the center ground and then try to spread outwards and bring in as many people as you can from the extremes. You, you convince that soccer mom and then also try to bring in the liberals and try to bring in as many conservatives as you can. George Bush and Karl Rove invented a very different approach when George Bush won the presidency, and that is you solidify your base. You appeal to your base, and then you try to move out from that base. Move center from that move base. Move toward the or, center from that mm-hmm. base, and you move as much to the center as you can. Now, Zach just talked a moment ago about the political science experiment, and, and I'm just like him. I've been hearing for years uh, progressives, liberals, many of them from South Florida, from Miami-Dade, say, you keep nominating these Tampa Bay Area or Central Florida moderates, and you keep losing with them. Uh, it's time we, we tried a different approach. Uh, and and Gillum will be a test of that approach. And what I would, the only thing I would add to what Zach said about that is that so far the primary, the results of the primary at least, suggest that that he may be right, that Gillum may be right about this, about this approach. And the other side of the coin is that Republicans have nominated somebody who's equally. Um, ideologically uh, aggressive in, in Ron DeSantis. He's a, a hard right conservative who also is is uh, appeals to more conservative voters, base voters. He there, you know, people are really talking about this as, as sort of a rallying the base election, and uh, whoever just sort of gets people on their side fired up enough uh, is going to be the one who wins, and the center uh, be damned. 
Yeah, I could go on both sides. Those who thought, oh, you know, Ron DeSantis is too far right. I could go with a center person like Gwen Graham, even though that if that's not my registered party, just like on the other side. Well, both parties have been pushed to the extremes here. And mm-hmm. I think the result of that is you're going to see an extremely divisive, extremely polarizing election. We're already seeing that. So what are some of the other interesting races that you guys are going to be following for uh, in the general election? Well, obviously, the U.S. Senate race is just a huge race between Rick Scott and Bill Nelson. Uh, Democrats have been a little bit concerned that Nelson's campaign has been lethargic. Scott uh, is uh, fairly popular after uh, seven and a half years in office. He's His approval rating has been uh, pretty high. The economy is doing well. Uh, he's kind of moved more to the middle after being a real hard right Tea Party uh, candidate early on. He's really made efforts to appeal to Hispanic voters, and he's going to give Nelson the strongest campaign, uh, strongest competition that he's ever had. And uh, some polls have shown uh, Scott doing doing well. Now Nelson hasn't had the same type of resources, and he hasn't advertised as much early on, and the advertising is just starting to kick in for him. And so I, I think this is just going to be a knockout, dragout fight all the way to the finish here, and and it's going to be. Uh, one of those races that people nationally are really going to be looking at to see who controls the Senate and and uh, how well um, you know Democrats are are able to to do and what what is expected to be a blue wave. If anybody can can hold off a, a blue wave in Florida, it seems like Rick Scott can. He's well known as governor and and, he, and he's fairly popular. Yeah, the other one, the other biggest race that I'm going to be watching closely is a race for an office that many people consider the second most powerful elected position in Florida, and that is attorney general. Uh, as we talked about a moment ago, you have a, a black candidate from Tampa, Sean Shaw, uh, running against uh, a Republican uh, former judge from Tampa, Ashley Moody. Um, the interesting thing about this race is that that Moody during the primary, um, probably not as conservative, uh, as hardline as a couple of her opponents were. By the end of the race, she only had one opponent left, two others dropped out. Uh, But she was pushed somewhat to the right by the necessity to take strong right-wing stands uh, in order to win a primary. And among those were gun rights issues. Uh, she came out in favor of open carry, uh, in favor of campus carry, in favor of the Stand Your Ground law. Uh, and Sean Shaw, of course, uh, made uh, a reaction reaction against the Parkland High School shootings, made stricter gun control laws a major thrust of his campaign, uh, repeal Stand Your Ground. I think he I think he has said he would be in favor of a ban on um, on semi-automatic um, assault rifles. So this is, I mean, listening to this is really a battle for the soul of this state coming up in this election. It absolutely is, Robin. Very much so, and the country. I mean, you look at uh, the congressional races that are going to be on the ballot, and Florida is ground zero for the Democratic Democrats' effort to take control of Congress and potentially have impeachment authority over Trump. You have a number of competitive congressional seats here in Florida. There's going to be a lot of attention and energy surrounding those. Democrats are really, really, that's probably their biggest focus this cycle is to try and win back control of Congress. So those are going to be really hot races to watch. And then this governor's race between Gillum 
and DeSantis is just a blockbuster. I mean, some people are already saying this is going to be the hottest race of any election this entire fall because of kind of what it represents. You have DeSantis, who is basically a stand-in for Trump, and Gillum, who is a stand-in for sort of Bernie and the progressive energy and the Democratic side right now. And a lot of people are viewing this as sort of a preview of 2020. So Gillum, Andrew Gillum, has talked about impeachment in a way that a lot of the Democratic establishment is very wary of because they know that if there's any way to energize Republicans to get to the polls, it's to talk about impeachment. So they have been really holding back on that, but not Andrew Gillum. I mean, he's come out swinging and, and, and really um, endorsing this idea of impeaching the president. Well, Gillum has, in fact, as he said on, uh, on national TV, he's called for Trump. Trump's impeachment. Right. Um, now, the interesting thing about that is um, he's also called for abolishing ICE. He's also called for Medicare for all. The Florida governor does not do any of these things. The Florida governor does not have a say on impeachment. What this shows, I think, is the extent to which this campaign has been nationalized, converted to nas- from Florida to national issues. You have a Republican candidate who didn't even talk about national issues. He had no platform on education. He had no plan on education, uh, which is the premier state issue. He won because of of national issues, because of Trump. And then on the other hand, uh, a Democratic candidate who's, who's already calling, who has already called for impeachment of the president. So there are competitive races all up and down the ticket. Um, So what I'm interested in knowing is what happens if the governor comes from one party and the cabinet members are from the other? I mean, logistically, what can you imagine if Andrew Gillum is the governor and Ashley Moody is the attorney general? There's going to be some raucous legislative sessions, I think, is, is what you're going to see. And you mentioned the cabinet. If if Andrew Gillum is the governor, uh, Ashley Moody, for example, is the attorney general, the cabinet has four members and they cast, they vote on a lot of crucial, important decisions. Now, the governor has an advantage because in a lot of those decisions, the governor has to be on the winning side, but not all of them. So are we going to have two, two cabinet splits? Or are we going to have Gillum uh, in the areas where the governor has an effective veto? Is it going to be Gillum versus the other three cabinet members? In the legislature, uh, you're going to see something similar, only worse, I think, than what happened when Barack Obama was confronted after his second year in office with Republican majorities in both houses of Congress. Uh, You're going to see uh, an incredible incredibly bitter back and forth uh, attempts by both sides, each side to obstruct the other. Yeah, it would be absolute war. If Gillum wins the governor's race and you have somebody who's that progressive and all the promises that he's made versus the House in Florida is extremely conservative and it's not expected to change. I mean, even the most optimistic projections among Democrats don't have them uh, winning the House in Florida and it's projected to be pretty conservative leadership going forward. And then you just have sort of uh, just a confrontation between the governor and the legislature. And, you know, the governor wields pretty, pretty powerful authority with the veto pen. And so 
he's uh, Gillum would have to use that to try and negotiate for what he wants, and I think he would see a lot of back and forth. You know, potentially lots of bills, potentially getting vetoes, efforts to override those vetoes. It would just be a, a, a wild few years with uh, in state government. As of right now, the Republicans in the legislature, though they hold pretty commanding author- uh, majorities, do not have the size majorities that you need to override a veto. That is William March, longtime political reporter and analyst. We're also speaking with Zach Anderson, political editor of the Sarasota Herald Tribune. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here, Robin. Thanks, Robin. And thank you for joining us. Listen to Florida Matters Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. You can always find it online, WUSF.org. I'm Robin Sussingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.